Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe. I lead Ember Faith Community here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD student in Bible and Cultures at Drew University. For this season of the podcast, we will be taking a look at the book of Ephesians, one of several New Testament texts attributed to the Apostle Paul. We will be talking about the uniqueness of the letter as a medium for scripture and what ancient letters like Ephesians might have to say to us about God's work in the world today. Thanks for tuning in. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promised in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Where do we begin? Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and shares in the promise of Christ through the gospel. So that picks up a lot from what we were talking about last week. Um, Gentiles are invited into the same family. There's this inclusive move. We get the body metaphor again, that they're members of the same body, moving towards unity. But I think the most powerful part of this chapter to me is Paul's prayer at the end. Um, And the kind of both like intercession and joy and hopefulness and just like overabundance of love for this community and to be a part of this community and, and that that all comes from God. Yeah, not to be sort of cliche, but there's a uh, there's a sense of all of it is in God's hands. And I like your word overabundance. That comes over, you know, it's more it's more than we can ask or imagine. It's more than it's beyond our own capacity for understanding or thought. And that desire for Christ to dwell within each person. Um even as those persons are members of one body. That's interesting. That's like a balance between all of us as individuals and all of us as one body in Christ. I mean, there's something that happens in your inner life and your inner relationship with Christ, but there's something that also then is reflected in the community of believers and the community of the faithful in working out all of this stuff together in oneness. Um, and goes back to this idea of like salvation isn't just salvation for one but salvation for all yeah I I take a lot of encouragement from uh, verse 15 Um, in verse 14 um, Paul or pseudo Paul says that he bows his knees before the father which the father language can be kind of difficult for some people but in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I mean, that's that seems 
surprisingly forward thinking to me like it's imagining something far larger and I like how there are so many echoes of um, like kind of what's available for humanity to know and understand in Ephesians 3 and I think this is another one of those things like how could someone who lived in ancient Palestine or ancient Turkey which wasn't called Turkey then but how could someone in the first century understand like what was every human family just the language there uh, there's a difference to me between someone saying like we're all one we're talking about the word inclusive and to say that every family on earth takes their name from the same source um there's a there's a poeticness to it and that emphasis on a deep relationship that's not only um, uh, theoretical but also physical, right? Um, family and using that uh, idea of, you know, passing on genetic material or blood, um, but applying that to every human being on earth and every human family. And it's also not saying that every family looks like this family or that every right. family is one thing. It's not inclusive in the sense that we're all the same. It's that every family everywhere, whatever that family looks like, is also of God and part of the relationality and the mutuality of God and and the Son and the, and the Spirit. Which I think is a really... I think that's a really compelling call to unity. If we're all of the same family, I mean, how often, how often do we go to a, a big holiday gathering with family and maybe we dread it because we know we've got like a particular family member that tends to act out and, you know, we, we dread that. And how often as a young person are we told, oh, but their family and that that has um that has enough weight that we're supposed to like maybe not judge as harshly or we're supposed to continue the relationship i mean i think that's really powerful and really convicting and i mean on kind of like the level of you're annoying me with your political beliefs. That's different from what does it look like when we look at ourselves as part of the same family when people do horrible, horrible things? Like, how do we live into that? Yeah, without, um, you know, putting ourselves through hell. Yeah. Um, well, one of That the is not what's being called for here. No. And I think that was one of the other things that, like, we talked about with Ephesians 3. Like, this idea, like... Well, Paul's saying that he's doing all this for all y'all, like my sufferings are for you. I mean, one of the other things that jumps out about this is that is the kind of sacrifices and, and sufferings you might take on for those that you love. Um, but I think where Paul is saying in verse 13, I pray therefore that you might not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. What he's not saying is 
in order to be faithful, you must suffer as I suffer. He's also not saying that suffering is a mark of faithfulness. Um, and I think in the past, and we continue to be, the three of us, careful about this idea of of what is suffering, what, what purpose does it serve. Um, and I think it's different to find hope and faithfulness and to find God in the midst of suffering. That's not saying that you should go out and suffer like Paul suffers on the for the sake of someone else. And at the same time, that perhaps there are instances where those of us with a measure of privilege and power and access should be speaking truth to power and should put ourselves in the way of suffering that is directed towards the more vulnerable in our midst. Yeah, I think, you know, just to be double clear... We're not being asked to seek out suffering. We're also not being told that we need to, um, you know, I think it's perfectly good, you know, if, let me back up. We're not being told to stay in situations of suffering um, as a mark of our faithfulness. Um, But, you know, God calls us to abundant life and that's part of this. At the same time, life comes with enough sufferings of its own, um, and God's present despite the suffering. And I also think it, to go back to your kind of family metaphor, Jeremy, and thinking about the ways in which we might dread interacting with some particularly fun relatives, um, there are things that you do for your family, there are things that you do to stay a family, in the in the midst of conflict that are painful sometimes Mm -hmm. and the working out of of those conflicts so that unity can prevail can can be i would interpret as suffering sometimes yeah and sometimes the way to work out those things is to break off a relationship um for instance in situations of abuse you know, that's, um, that's responding faithfully, I think. Yeah. Or like a parent who maybe they break off their studies so that they take a full-time job to take care of a new child yeah. and make sure the family's got a roof and food and stability. I mean, that's, that's a place where there's like some sacrifice, but it's different from, say, like a woman who stays with her husband who beats her. And, I mean, this passage has been used in that way. And we want to be really clear that if you're in that kind of an you're in that kind of an environment, like, God's not saying that that's okay. In fact, quite the opposite. So. And you're not alone. Yeah. The point here is suffering is not what makes faithfulness in and of itself. And we want to be really clear when we say that, like, even in the midst of your suffering, though, God is with you. Part of me feels like this chapter is just a little hard to talk about. In the sense that Paul's kind of self-disclosing. Paul, Paul the character, is self-disclosing some stuff. So he's being like, this is why I'm doing these things. This is why I'm in yeah. prison. This is why, like, it, it matters to me this much that you hear this gospel. It matters to me this much that you're part of this community that that I will go through these things. Do not weep for me 
but live into this unity, live into this togetherness. And that what I hope and that I pray for you is that you, you get some little glimmer, some little glance at the magnitude of God's love and the magnitude of God's grace and the magnitude of, of what the walls being broken down already and forever mean. Um, that I'm willing to go to these lengths for you. I hope, I, I want you to see that. I want you to be a part of that. I want this unity to be real to you. There's something profoundly personal about that. Um, I, I love the way that scripture kind of connects us through time and space. Um, so whoever wrote this letter, um, our, our pseudo Paul, um, there's something really powerful um, that might sound strangely mystical about that person praying for each one of us and for our communities through this prayer at the end. Um, that these words were for for all of us. Are for all of us. I think too and when I'm kind of backing up a little bit to what Kelsey was saying when you hear when I'm hearing Paul saying these things to his community I'm also thinking like on it's it's this important for him that he'll suffer through it but I'm also hearing how that's echoing maybe like God's love to us like God loves us so much that God wanted to become embodied as a person to be part of it and be directly related with people in this kind of world of existence that we're in but also it was that important to show God's power and God's love that there was uh, an aspect of it that had to be self-sacrificing it's a very desperate sort of love and a very desperate sort of hope yeah it would have to be desperate it's like desperate imminence, desperate incarnation. And in desperation are so many other things, like all wrapped together. Longing, desiring, needing, reaching, like they're encompassing. There's so many things you can, you can fold into and out of this idea of a desperate love. Um, Which is both... Uh all of those words have sort of theoretical and uh, abstract meanings, but are also very embodied. Mm-hmm. They have very, it's a very tactile language. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's also very everyday in some ways. Like how often do you long for a donut or reach for the hand of someone you love or, you know, touch and tactile I think is the right the right analogy that it's it's imminence it's closeness but it's also desperation also smacks up like um of like uh, necessity like a, mm. uh, and we and need it, each other yeah, and it cannot be any other way that you must be reconciled to me and me to you and that's the way things should be No, that is hopeful. (laughs) Hear these words now. They are for you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. 
I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Forever, forever and, and ever. ever. Amen. Amen. As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, and we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved, 2019.